season reviews for Noah Locke and Jared West, and a discussion about Teddy Bridgewater's next destination in the NFL will all be coming up on this episode of the Locked On Louisville podcast. Stay tuned. You are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome in to another episode of the Locked On Louisville podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. I serve as a credential media member for Cardinal Sports Zone. I also do some PA announcing work for the university and various sports. I want to take this time, as always, to personally thank you for making us your first listen of the day. And just a reminder, the Locked On Louisville podcast is free on all streaming services, including YouTube, five days a week, your team every day. As you can see, Jeremy Wallman, not on today's episode. Um, Due to uh, special circumstances, we will probably have him on for either tomorrow's episode or Friday's, but obviously not on today's. Today's episode will be dedicated to more season season reviews. We'll uh, discuss the reviews for Noah Locke and Jared West. We'll then transition into talking about Teddy Bridgewater's one-year deal with the Miami Dolphins and why that is a good move for him. And then finally, we will incorporate the weekly mailbag segment at the conclusion of the show. But starting off... Uh, more season reviews. Um, if you haven't um, seen the previous ones, Sidney Curry was on Friday. Um, yesterday was dedicated to L. Ellis and Dre Davis. Today's episode is all about Noah Locke and Jared West. Now, the difference between the two yesterday and the two that we're talking about today, obviously, is that um, Jared West, I don't think he... Uh, yes, uh, Jared West is out of college eligibility, I believe. Noah Locke, could come back for, for another season. Uh, we'll talk about that here in, in just a second. Um, but we'll start out with no lock. Um, I, I think that really, I think really we'll, we'll kind of, from a collective standpoint, both of these guys came in to the university as, you know, pieces to help the Cardinals make the postseason um, to, to make an NCAA tournament run. Ultimately, that didn't end up being the case. I, I felt like, the expectations were a little bit too high for both Noah Locke and Jared West um, when they came in. I feel like some of those expectations came from me as well. I'm not saying that I am exempt from criticism or anything like that. But I felt like um, the expectations for both of them coming in just didn't necessarily match the production in which they came into Louisville with from their previous destinations. So... Um, We'll start out talking about Noah Locke. Uh, Noah, for the season, averaged uh, 9.6 points per game. Actually led the Cardinals in scoring. Uh, 2.3 rebounds per game, one assist. Shot the ball 35.8% from the field and 34.2% from behind the arc. So, obviously, not necessarily a season that lived up to his standards. Um, It was uh, the lowest points per game mark since his freshman season back in 2018-19. Um, rebound wise tie with his lowest mark, um, a career high in assists, but really not by much. The, f- the field goal percentage shooting w- was where the, um, the concerns came from shot a career low 34% from the, I'm sorry, 35.8% from the field, which is a career low. And then a career low of 34.2% uh, from three point line. It seemed like all season long, really never got into the groove, had some games to where, you know, he looked like he was going to be able to turn it on. Um, but if anything, it was really just kind of a one game showing, one game uh, showing, um, 
you know, sparsely put throughout the whole rest of the season. So um, I felt like, you know, from a, you know, an overall you know, season standpoint, um, obviously the season probably didn't live up to his expectations either. Um, didn't necessarily take a step forward, actually kind of took a step back. And I think that, that a lot of that was this Louisville team trying to find its identity. And Noah Locke played a role in which he probably wasn't necessarily used to playing. Um, I think that, myself included, a lot of people gave expectations for Noah Locke to come into Louisville and be you know, a primary scorer. At very worst, a secondary scorer. And I think that when you go back and you look at what he did at Florida, it was a little bit unrealistic to you know put that on him because he had never been a primary scorer at Florida. He had, at the very best, been a secondary scorer. A lot of times a tertiary scorer. Uh, averaged uh, 10.6 points per game um, the, past, the past two seasons and 9.4 the season before that. I think that um, overall maybe he has a better season this year if he shoots the ball a little better, and I don't disagree with that statement, but at the end of the day, I think that um, there were some unrealistic expectations, and you could have assumed or hoped that he would take the next step forward and maybe get to that 12, 13, maybe 14 points per game mark, and I think that that's kind of where I was at the beginning of the season. But I think that not having you know a, a true scoring, a true number one scoring option kind of you know, took away from the fact that Noah Locke is a, is more of a shooter rather than an initiator. So um, uh, I, I think that I, I don't want to get it twisted. I, I don't want to you know disrespect Noah Locke or even Jared West in the sense of saying that they're not as good as, you know, we thought they were. But I think that um, the, the roles and the real, and the um, unrealistic expectations for both of them coming in, kind of soured um, a little bit of the um, overall impact that they had, uh, or at least the perception of that impact, because I think that Noah Locke is, wasn't really too much off from, of, from what he has done at Florida, um, and that's being kind of a, um, you know, a shooter that can score in, in double figures, and maybe he would have got there had Louisville not necessarily been that bad or historically bad as they had been this season. Um, but I think that shooting percentages and not really being able to get into the groove and the Cardinals really kind of struggling with their offensive identity really kind of, hint, uh, I guess you could say, hindered what Nolak was able to do offensively. Will he come back next season? Uh, I've heard rumors that he's probably done with college ball, will likely pursue um, professional opportunities. I know Jared West, or Jared West, Jeremy Wallman came on the show Um a couple, probably about a month ago, and said that he didn't expect Noah Locke back. Um, Noah Locke's best game of the season as a Cardinal came in the, his second game, 20 points um, in the loss to Furman, went 8 for 19 from the field, 4 for 12 from behind the arc. Um, also had a 20-point game against Western Kentucky. You could say his 17-point outing against uh, Wake Forest could possibly be his best game. But overall, I mean, I think it was a, sort of a – a lackluster season for Locke, but you still kind of got um, some of the same um, production that you know Florida was able to get from him through his first three seasons of college eligibility. I would be surprised if he does come back, however. Um, but transitioning over into Jared West, Jared West has no college, college eligibility remaining. This was his fifth year in college. Um, 6.1 points per game, which is 
the lowest since 2018-19, 2.5 rebounds, 2.9 assists per game, 37.5% from the field, a uh, three-point percentage was 327 which was his lowest in his collegiate career. And that's kind of the same thing for him. I think people were expecting him to come in and be a 14.2 points per game scorer at the Louisville level where you know he scored 14.2 in 2019-20 when in reality I don't necessarily think that that was realistic considering the fact that um, you know, you're know you taking a little bit step up in competition. And Jared West was really sort of a, um, a role-playing a role playing scorer. So um, ultimately, didn't necessarily have the greatest um, season so far. Um, I do think that he played some of his best ball at the very end of the, um, the very end of the season. Um, <clears throat> he had a season high 20 points against Georgia Tech in the first round of the ACC tournament in which the Cardinals got a win. Um, but I feel like people, like I said, people kind of came into the season expecting Jared West to be this multiple or this uh, double digit point score. And maybe he got it could have got to 10.1 points per game or something like that. Um, he did, I believe, average the least amount of field goals attempted in all of his years in college uh, this past season, or at least tied it. So um, in a career low in minutes as well. So, uh, you know, less usage, less usage, I get it, um, less of a priority on the offensive. Defensively, I, I think that he fit the mold of what we were looking for. A um, very solid on-ball defender, good communicator on that end of the court. And um, obviously, you saw the impact that he had um, from a whole half-court level situation. So, um, overall for the year, I, I think that he kind of, um, didn't necessarily live up to the expectations that we had coming in for him. Um, but he did have, uh, some solid moments. And I, I think that the, kind of the, the big key with a lot of these guys is you can't really put a lot of this on them. I think a lot of it was on coaching as well. Um, and just overall the, the, the bad part of the, the bad thing of the season, uh, I, I can't even speak. I don't even know what I'm trying to convey here. Basically, just saying that the the bad season and everything uh, not really clicking on the offensive end kind of took a toll on all of the players, and they weren't able to really live up to the expectations on the offensive side of the court. I don't think any player really lived up to the expectations on offense. So um, can't really put that on them. Um, but both he he and Noah Locke had some moments on offense to where they looked solid. Defensively, um, Jared West was very, very good all season long. Um, but shout out to both of those guys for coming to Louisville. We wish them the best of luck, uh, no matter what their future holds for them, um, whether they're playing professionally overseas next year, trying to find um, a path in the G League or on an NBA team. You know, the best of luck to them going forward. So um, we'll kind of take a little bit of a step back and transition over into the NFL side of things where. Former Louisville star Teddy Bridgewater signed a one-year deal with his hometown Miami Dolphins. We'll talk about why that was a good move here in just a second after we talk about our friends at Stat Hero. I love March Madness. It started last night. I am hopeful for my bracket this year, but seemingly I, I never can truly get it right, which a lot of people don't either. But uh, this year, 
Uh, I want to let you in on a little secret. You should be hedging your bets with Stat Heroes NCAA Pick'em Contests. Uh, The single game Pick'ems pits the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. Uh, You can start focusing on the players you know best with a gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. They simply post sets of players for you to take on with the set of players you choose. Um Simply put, this is kind of what daily fantasy was meant to be. So do yourself a favor. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use the promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. Once again, that's stathero.com slash locked on and using the promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. Also, I take this time to talk about our friends over at Built Bar. We're kind of past the time of the year where I give up on my resolutions that I make. Um, but really, that kind of hasn't been the case this year. I've been sticking to my resolution to eat right, and a lot of that can be accredited to Built Bar. It feels like it's not even really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Um, I'm a big fan of the Puffs. For those who are not aware of what those are, they're the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate, as are all of the Built Bar products. They're low-calorie, high in protein. You can check out the macros chart at Built.com. You'll be blown away. Uh, you can compare them to uh, regular candy bars, and it is off the charts different. So, um, and there's a lot of different player, uh, players, a lot of different flavors you can choose from. Do yourself a favor, go to build.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Once again, that's using the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. So, um, This is kind of where a lot of people have been kind of going back and forth. Teddy Bridgewater, former Louisville star quarterback, um, has been with a handful of NFL teams over the years since his uh, horrific knee injury with the Minnesota Vikings back in 2016. He signed a one-year deal with the Miami Dolphins, which is his hometown. Um, it is a one-year deal, $6.5 million guaranteed. I think it's uh, like two, a $2 million signing bonus, $4.5 salary, or vice versa. But the contract has the ability to go up to $10 million in total. So there's like three and a half in incentives, whether that's uh, individual achievement or team accomplishments in terms of record or playoff um, appearance. That I don't think that that's yet to be seen, at least to my knowledge it hasn't been. But um, $6.5 million for one year in Miami um, could possibly get up to $10 million. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, 29-year-old quarterback from Miami, Florida, goes to his hometown after spending the last season with the Broncos um, over 3,000 yards for the third time in his career, 18 touchdown passes, which is a career high, to seven interceptions, had a 94.9 passer rating, kind of split time with Drew Locke um, after – Kind of, you know, having some injuries throughout the year. Had a concussion, I believe. Had a maybe an ankle injury that held him out. Um, but he goes to Miami to um, assume, assumingly, become the backup to Tua Tagovailoa, and that kind of got a lot of people um, in conversation. Of okay, there are a handful of destinations that need a starting quarterback still. Um, you know, before Teddy signed, you know, there was, I believe there's Pittsburgh, there were, there's still Washington, Carolina, um, you know, Indianapolis, so on and so forth. So some were like, okay, well, why is he not going somewhere where he's going to be a starter? Now that is a, a very valid question, but I think that the answer really lies is I think that if he was offered a starting role, um, with an NFL team, he probably would have gone there. 
Um, Teddy Bridgewater over the past handful of years with Carolina, with Denver, has been viewed as a stopgap, um, you know, a bridge to you know their possible franchise cornerstone at qu- at quarterback. So he hasn't necessarily been viewed as a franchise quarterback, kind of uh, on the verge of being a starter, but kind of a short term starter. Um, but I think with guys like Jameis Winston still out there, there was Mitch Trubisky still out there. Deshaun Watson has been floating around trade talks with a couple different teams, you know, so on and so forth. Baker Mayfield is apparently now on the trade market. Um, I, I forgot. Actually, Washington's got Carson Wentz. Forgive me on that. Um, so, you know, I, I think that although there are some teams that um, need a starting quarterback, I don't necessarily think the market reflected the desire for Teddy to get a starting position. So if that's the case, landing in Miami was a great opportunity for him. Not only does he get paid a decent amount for a backup quarterback, in which he's probably one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league, he's going to a situation, A, it's in his hometown. You know, going back to your hometown obviously can be uh, very underrated, and that probably played a role in his decision to go to Miami. Um, But number two, I think that it opens up the possibility to um, have a quarterback um, competition with Tua. Now, obviously, I I, I don't necessarily think that – I I don't think that um, at the end of the day that – Tua is going to lose that starting role. In fact, I think that Tua is going to um, win that you know competition if it even is considered a competition because at the end of the day, he's what they drafted as their franchise quarterback, um, showed some signs of progression last year, and really it's just a matter of building more, upon, uh, more, more around Tua rather than trying to find an option outside of Tua. So um, I'm not saying that he's going there to battle to be a starter, which I guess you know technically he is. But I, you know, you would assume that two is going to be the guy in Miami. But the thing about it is, I think that opportunity could come at some point this season. In his first two years in Miami, Tua has yet to play a complete season. Last year, he played 13 out of 17 games. I think he played 10 games his rookie season. So he's battled injuries. Throughout, they haven't really been serious in his NFL tenure, but they haven't been. They have been, um, you know, at least significant enough to hold him out for a set amount of games. So, this is a great move from Miami, a great move for Teddy because not only does Teddy get the opportunity to possibly, you know, show teams for the next offseason, hey, look, I still have it. Uh, I should be getting paid a good amount of money. I can possibly be a starter in this league. And then on the Miami side of things, you have six point million. You have the money to go get a guy like Teddy. If Tua does go down, which he's shown over the past two years that um, you know he may not necessarily be able to play a full season. Now, I'm not saying he won't be able to, but you know sometimes there is a risk involved. Um, you do have one of the best backup quarterbacks, a guy that has went out there and has won games for teams out there, a guy that has been a starting quarterback and has had some success. Excuse me. It's not just a random backup that you throw in. You're like, oh my gosh, is he going to be able to throw a football ten yards? Teddy Bridgewater has distinguished himself, distinguished himself on the NFL front. He may not necessarily be a franchise cornerstone, but he is not a scrub. Teddy Bridgewater is a solid quarterback. So from a backup quarterback perspective, Miami, you can't really have done a better job than that. So very happy for Miami. Very happy for Teddy. Um, and I hope his stay in the 305 goes well for him. Uh, final segment of the show, I want to get back into the mailbag, um, answer a couple questions that you all have submitted. We'll do that here in just a second after we talk about our friends over at Rock Auto. 
With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry when you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket? It allows you to save time and money. The prices are reliably low for every customer. And they have everything you could ever need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. So do yourself a solid. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know what we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Thanks again for making us your first listen of the day. And just a reminder, the Locked On Global podcast is free on all streaming services, five days a week, your team every day. So a couple different questions in the mailbag that I'd like to get to. First is for football. It says, Dalton, when is the next big recruiting weekend planned for the Louisville program? Um, this is a good question. I've alluded to the answer a couple times over the past month or so. The next uh, seemingly substantial recruiting weekend will be for the spring game, which is a couple weeks away in early April. Um, I've had a couple of big name, um, highly rated prospects. Um confirmed that they are going to be in attendance for the global spring game. So um, I would expect that to be here in the next couple weeks for the spring game. The next question is you announced baseball on, on um, I said Wednesday, it is Wednesday. You announced the baseball game on Tuesday. What were your main takeaways? And do you think that this baseball team has a chance to host a suit uh, or to host a regional? Um, First of all, I think the one thing that I saw, and I mean, it's not really as much as like me getting to see a lot because everybody saw the same thing if you watch the game. I think it was more of, you know, showing that the bats are there. You know, the bats have been producing really well. It's just a matter of pitching, a matter of the bullpen guys getting getting it together. I think that they have a chance to host the regional if the pitching is able to come around. I have a lot of confidence in the hitting, but you have to get your guys in the weekend rotation to, uh, you know, to stay consistent. Um, you need to. You'll get guys in the bullpen to step up and be consistent as well. It's all about consistency. Consistency is the name of the game for the Louisville pitching staff. And to be able to host a regional, it's going to come down to that. So final segment of the show, and it, and it comes in the sense of the basketball um, side of things. Um, the question is, Gabe Wisnitzer was the first to enter the transfer portal. Who are some other players that you could see following suit? Um, this is a tough one. Um, we talked about Gabe and I haven't heard any information about anyone else possibly entering the portal. I think Sam Williamson would be one to keep an eye out on, um, possibly JJ trainer. I'm not sure. Um, the Davis brothers, if Dre goes elsewhere, obviously you'll probably lose Tay as well. If Dre decides to go elsewhere, um, I think, um, Jalen Withers is another guy that uh, could possibly put his name into the transfer portal. Uh, Matt Cross and Sam Williamson would probably be um, the top players that I'd probably look at to maybe transfer out. But obviously, that's no inside information, uh, just a hunch. So really, at this point, it's going to be a matter of getting the new coaching hire in, um, seeing what he wants to do with the roster, seeing who are the guys he wants to bring back. Um, you know, are the guys going to want to play for him? You know, who's going to want to play for him? Who doesn't want to play for him? Who's he looking to bring in? 
the question seems straightforward, but it's really not. It's probably one that we probably won't know the full answer to for about the next month or so, really just kind of depending on when that hire is going to be made. So at the end of the day, um, I think that, you know, Sam and Matt would probably be the two that probably have been rumored the most to possibly be in the transfer portal. Um, so final question. This really kind of um, goes back to um, – it's actually a fun one. It goes back to baseball, and it is um, who was your favorite Cardinal baseball player since you began watching Louisville baseball? Well, I'll tell you the first time or the first season I really started watching baseball was 2011 12, um, the year before they uh, made the uh, College World Series in 13. So I've gotten to see a lot of All-Americans. Keep in mind, I'm only 23, so uh, don't nag on me too much for um, only having started watching uh, just a little over a decade ago. Favorite player to watch? Oh, wow. Um, This is a tough one. Uh, I'd probably say Corey Ray's up there. Obviously, you um, you talk about a guy who was electric. You know, he he's he was a guy you know at the leadoff spot that really um, had a ton of pop um, in his bat and was able to you know absolutely you know hit dingers and just get on base. Um, Brendan McKay, obviously the two way player, watching him strike guys out and also hit bombs was was incredible. Um, Henry Davis, the only regret I have with Henry Davis is, um, you know, not being able to watch him more, especially in that 2020 season when the season got cut really short. So I'd probably go Corey Ray, but there's a handful of other guys that fit that description as well. So before we get out of here, I want to give a shout out to the Cardinal Sports Zone podcast. You can check that out at cardinalsportszone.com. I want to thank you for making Locked On Global your first listen every day. The next episode, well, you kind of guessed it, more season reviews. Do yourself a favor, make your second listen Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. That's going to wrap up this Wednesday edition of the show. Everyone have a great day. Go Cards, and we will see you back here tomorrow.